0: Millions of people are going hungry across the UK right now. Food banks are doing everything they can, but they need more help. Join Banquet's mission to tackle food poverty and get food banks across the UK what they need. One simple donation can make a huge difference to a family in poverty. To donate now, just go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash donate.
1: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and life. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I am delighted to be joined today by Coleman Hughes, who is a writer, a musician, and the podcast host of Conversations with Coleman. And we're going to talk about Kanye West 2024, or Yee 2024. Coleman, I did a piece about Ye 2024 this week, and I found it very weird delving into this world, because I can't quite understand whether Kanye West is totally insane, or sort of brilliant and insane, or just an anti-Semite, or he's just trolling everyone. What's your impression of this campaign? Well, Ye is not
0: a serious thinker. He is someone that would make a horrible leader, in my opinion. And he is not nearly as impressive a thinker and speaker as he thinks he is. He is a raging narcissist. And I'm agnostic as to whether he is mentally ill. You know, like if I just met him in my life, I'm not sure I would diagnose him as anything more than an asshole. But there have been, I mean, there are flashes of things that suggest that he might be. On the other hand, I don't want to simply excuse or dismiss the things he says as the ravings of, you know, a a guy on the street, you know, yelling at the sky because he clearly has ideas that he's gotten from places, many of which are bigoted and toxic. And so to dismiss it all as mental illness can seem to let him off the hook in a way that I don't want to do.
1: Well, I'm no psychiatrist, but it does sound a bit like there there are hints of a messianic complex in the things that he says i think that he thinks he's been sent by god right which is a sign of you know perhaps he has been but it's a sign that something's going on psychologically
0: yeah certainly i mean there are many people like this you know david koresh types after hundreds or thousands of years we tend to recategorize mentally ill people as prophets to be worshipped like jesus and muhammad and so forth but when you're living in their time they just seem crazy and delusional and, and narcissistic. And yeah, I mean, he's someone who thinks every word that comes out of his mouth should be written down and, and we should make a Bible out of it. And that's just not the case. Like I said, he's not nearly as, as interesting as he thinks he is.
1: Well, something I wanted to ask you about was obviously this has been discussed a bit, but Kanye's father was a black Panther. And part of the Black Panther theology, in a way, was this idea that the man is always keeping us down. And that's the white man, but it's also the Jewish man. To what extent do you think Kanye's apparent interest or focus on Jews as the people controlling the world has been inherited from his father and sort of Black Panther thinking?
0: So I think there is a synergy between the Black Panther movement, the Black Power movement, and Nation of Islam. And Louis Farrakhan and Elijah Muhammad. You know, all of those get mixed together, I think. And especially among rappers, the influence of Nation of Islam cannot be understated. For some reason, in the hip-hop community, going back several decades, people like Jay-Z, Jay Electronica, and Kanye, Snoop Dogg as well, are all very steeped in nation of Islam ideology via Louis Farrakhan and he Louis Farrakhan obviously is a deep anti-Semite. He believes and the nation of Islam generally believes that not only that white people are a devil race created by a black scientist thousands of years ago. They also believe that the Jews represent a particular kind of evil. And Malcolm X said some very anti-Semitic things. All of that, I think, is behind what Kanye is saying. He's not just inventing this stuff. This stuff comes from a longstanding tradition in a black American thought that's represented by the Nation of Islam.
1: And do you think it's fused with something that's been going on on the, the non-black right, if you like? Because obviously Nick Fuentes now is part of his campaign, Do you think there's a kind of virulent anti-Semitic trend that's joining up with what Kanye thinks now?
0: Like I said, I think this stuff goes back a long way. I think there have been moments where Nation of Islam and the KKK have sort of synced up in their, both in their desire for racial separatism and in their anti-Semitism. Some people call this horseshoe theory. Like if you go far enough in one direction you get in the other direction on the political spectrum. So, you know, it's a shame to see Kanye, who is incredibly talented and occasionally says true and brave things, go in a direction of pure bigotry and anti-Semitism and hang out with absolute hacks and bigots like Nick Fuentes. He's just imploding his career and reputation. You know, I think there was a point in the past month or if he had just kind of stopped, retreated, he probably could have come back from from everything, but I think he is insisting on basically destroying his reputation and his legacy now with the people he's surrounding himself with.
1: I mean, I've I've followed this a bit and I think to myself, to what extent is everyone being sincere? I mean, I think that Nick Fuentes, Milo Yiannopoulos and to a certain extent Kanye or Yeh, they are, at some level, they're trolling, and I think they're enjoying the reaction that they're getting. To what extent are they just fishing for a reaction, fishing for outrage? To what extent do you think that they actually mean this stuff?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. I think all three of them, I can certainly say Kanye and, and Nick, seem like people that can't stand to be out of the headlines. Trump is similar in this way. You get this sense that every time they see a headline that's not about them, it feels like a personal attack. So they have to do something to stay in the center of attention. And part of the way to do that is to say the most outrageous, beyond the pale, taboo beliefs. And obviously the media has an incentive, a click-based incentive to report that. So there's a synergy between what benefits the media and what benefits Ye and and Nick Fuentes, at least in the short term. So I don't know. I, I don't know to what degree they're just grabbing attention and to what degree they mean it. But either way, the consequences of their espousing this stuff is the same. So at some level,
1: it doesn't matter. I see that. You wrote a very interesting piece about black conservatism, I think way back in 2018 now. I know you've talked about it a bit more, but to what extent do you think Kanye is a representative of black conservatism? Is black conservatism a thing now? Because as you've said in this piece, it shows up in polling questions about what black people think about issues, but that doesn't actually mean it changes anything electorally. And I think a lot of people got interested in Kanye because they thought that he might be the face of black conservatism. And he was obviously talking to Candace Owens a lot. Do you think that's now been proved to be bogus?
0: So roughly 30, 35% of black Americans identify as conservative. Most of them vote for the Democratic Party. So they're conservative Democrats. Kanye is similar to that demographic in that he is Christian. And that's a major source of both his conservatism and the conservatism of you know, 30% of black Americans that identify as such. He's not representative in that he was all in on Trump. He was a huge Trump supporter. He was a MAGA supporter and more or less a Republican, at least has been in the past few years. So in that sense, he's not representative of black conservatives. Generally, I also don't know how I don't believe his anti-Semitism is shared in the among black conservatives certainly not widely. So to that extent, I don't think that he makes a good face. He's, he's certainly not a good face for black conservatism. He's not someone that should be held up as representative of that contingent because he's off the rails and he's spreading dangerous bigotry and he, he's just unhinged.
1: Well, I think in, in that piece that you wrote in 2018, I thought was very interesting was that black people don't feel the pull of, of for want of a better word, wokeism, wokery, in the same way that white people do. Black people do not feel obligated to say things that woke culture compels them to say. And partly, I think that's because they are black. So you don't feel that you have to prove yourself as sort of politically correct, for want of a better word, because you're black. Yeah, there's something to that. I think Many white people
0: are terrified to be called or labeled or seen as a racist. And the best way to defend yourself against that charge is to call other people racist, right? If you join the mob, you're not going to ever be targeted by the mob. At least that's how many people feel. I think there's a subconscious feeling that many people have when they're in the mob that that is a strategy to defend them from ever being targeted by it. That dynamic is not the same in the black community because we basically, our culture has sort of agreed we can't be racist, at least not against white people, which is to me a strange and troubling definition of racism. In my view, racism can go in every direction, including directed at white people, and it's worrisome in all directions. But the wider culture has generally agreed that epithets directed at white people don't count. So in that sense, we don't have to really join that mob in order to protect ourselves. There are plenty of other troubling psychological dynamics in the black community, but that, that's not one of
1: them. But how does it, I mean, just in terms of electorally, how does it play out? Because there's always been a lot of talk that black voters are you know, fed up of the Democrats. They realize that they're being exploited by Democrats in some ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they embrace the Republican Party. hmm. And so I think that's why people, when when someone like Kanye West explores the possibility of becoming president, there's a lot of excitement about it. But do you think that's just purely white people sort of projecting an idea of what black people might want is they might want Kanye West? That's a good question. I mean, I think we did see a,
0: I'd say more than a trickle of black voters going Republican in 2020 relative to 2016, especially black men. So the trend line, even though, I mean, we're still talking, what, like single digit percentage of black men voting Republican, the trend line went very clearly in one direction from 2016 to 2020. You know, I feel like probably the black men that did switch parties in the past six years, maybe they do see themselves represented in Kanye to some degree, at least maybe some of them do. That would stand to reason. But... I mean, what Kanye is doing now, he's pretty much guaranteeing that he's making himself toxic in a way that he wasn't four years ago. So it remains to be seen whether that trend will continue, whether we'll keep seeing black voters move to the Republican Party. That trend could also just halt completely. It could reverse. Nothing is inevitable. So it's something to watch out for. Ultimately, the big difference emerging between Democrats and Republicans is that Democrats are becoming the party of the college educated, and Republicans are becoming the party of the working class, which was not the case. When I was growing up in, you know, 2004, 2008. That was not something that existed at all. The Democrats still saw saw themselves as basically the, the party of sort of working people. That's a self image that can't be sustained really
1: anymore. But I sometimes wonder whether, I mean, because as I say, people have been talking about this sort of drift towards Republicans among black voters, Hispanic voters, but particularly among black voters. I wonder if, do you think it's because black voters are inherently conservative that they stick with voting Democrat? Because it's quite a conservative thing to just vote for the party that you've always voted for. I don't know. You know, in
0: the 1920s and thirties, black voters went almost entirely Republican. Black people voted Republican fully and slowly over the course of maybe two decades shifted, not all at once, but sort of one election at a time. So by the late sixties, black Americans were a solidly Democrat party. But again, early 20th century, black voters were as Republican as we are Democrat now. So things can change over time. I think it's probably historically short-sighted to say black people are inherently with one party or inherently with the other because history shows that these dynamics do shift and can shift over time.
1: What do you think about the idea of Christian nationalism? Because I think a lot of people look at Kanye West and Nick Fuentes and people like Milo Yiannopoulos and they see them as they talk about, you know, Christ is king. We want Trumpism, but rather than putting Trump first, we want to put Jesus first. And because black people in America are there's a lot of strong religion in, in black America. There's a lot of people who think that that might actually be quite a powerful force in America is a sort of explicitly nationalist, explicitly Christian vote. Would that appeal to black people in America?
0: Well, I think my gut says that black Americans are quite comfortable with the separation of church and state and don't are not yearning for an injection of Christianity into politics. You know, I think part of that is the fact that as Christian and as religious as black Americans are, they're also Democrats and have been influenced by the culture of being Democrats, which is very much a a firewall between church and state and a secular politics. So I don't think that that appeal would work. It's not an appeal that I'm eager to see. I think that separation of church and state has worked very well in America relative to the alternatives, and I'm not eager to see encroaching Christianity on our politics.
1: But a statistic that a lot of people mentioned, and it may have been unfair or possibly even untrue, but I I think there were some polls to back it up, was that Pete Buttigieg, when he was running for the Democratic nomination in 2020, he scored very badly among African-American voters almost 0%. And the assumption was that was because he's gay or a married gay guy. Mm -hmm. And so I think the conclusion of that would be that black people are are socially conservative in a way that white liberals don't really understand.
0: Yes, that is true. Look, you know, black Democrats are far more socially conservative than white Democrats. That's a fact. And it's it's a pretty big difference. You know, white conservatives largely vote Republican, right? Whereas the whole spectrum of psychological liberalism and conservatism in Black America is contained within one party. So you have probably a third of, like I said, a third of Black Democrats identify as conservative, and that conservatism consists in Christianity and socially conservative values. Far fewer than a third of white Democrats would agree with those opinions. A lot of people miss this when they look at democratic politics, because you can go a long time without ever seeing the divide between black Democrats and white Democrats until someone like Buttigieg comes along to to show just how deep that divide actually is on these certain particular issues.
1: And Joe Biden was quite successful in 2020 at cultivating the black vote. Do you think that's because black voters thought he was more socially conservative than he is and do you think they're going to be sufficiently disappointed in 2024 say to not vote for him again i
0: don't know a lot of that could have been a protest vote against trump yeah
1: who is extremely
0: unsavory to democrats of all races so i don't really credit biden with that i think biden was a middle-of-the-road democrat in terms of his appeals to the black community they were neither neither amazing nor horrible. They were kind of just mediocre in my view. Obviously, not as good as Obama and probably not even as good as Bill Clinton, but perhaps better than Hillary. So, well, it it remains to be seen, I think, you can't count on the anti-Trump vote if Trump is not the nominee, right? If it's someone like DeSantis, who is a real candidate, who's going to be making real arguments and real appeals, Democrats sometimes... I think ha- have a tendency to get complacent. The whole problem with Democratic strategy over the past 20 years is they thought the the like the right to share a book the emerging majority right that they would have as Latinos immigrate into this country that they would just have a permanent majority just based on demographics alone. Hmm. It turns out that's just not the case. People do think for themselves. You have to make the appeal and you have to win based on Persuasion, essentially, like, so that's going to be especially true if there's a legitimate candidate like Ron DeSantis on the other side, and not someone totally toxic like Trump, and Biden versus DeSantis, there are going to be black voters that are up for grabs, let's say for the Republicans in that in that election, it may not be a huge swath, but it could be like 10 to 15% that are actually willing to perhaps vote Republican or simply abstain if they don't see a big enough difference between the two.
1: That's very interesting. And finally, I want to bring it back to Ye. Do you think that his campaign will keep going in any meaningful way? I mean, I know in 2020, he actually got 60,000 votes. He spent $13 million to get those 60,70,000 70,000 votes. But do you think his campaign is sincere or real Or do you think we just won't be talking about it in a year's time? That's a good question. My guess is we won't be talking about it
0: in a year's time. He seems mentally scattered in a way that suggests he won't stick with it, or he may just get distracted. But, you know, at the same time, no one took Trump seriously. On the left, at least. No one took Trump seriously even through Election Day. So I I am hesitant to make the same mistakes that have been made in not taking someone seriously just because they're an atypical candidate.
1: Do you think there's a connection there between Kanye West and Trump in the the egotism? I mean, I think it's hard to think of two bigger egos and they both have these messianic complexes. And that's why a lot of people think that he is the natural evolution of Trump, is that he is almost more self-absorbed than Trump, if that's possible.
0: They are similar in their self-absorption and in their need to be in the headlines every single day. Other than that, they are actually quite different. I think Trump is a more effective communicator. I think he understands politics and how society works much better than Kanye does. I think, frankly, he's more educated in the sense that he just... Understands more things about the world and about governance than Kanye does, and whatever you want to say about his failed record as a serial businessman, I think that actually did give him some some experience as to like how to do things practically that Kanye doesn't have. So I think that you know the similarities really end after the ego, and I, my guess, my hope is that people see that. You know, like I said, Trump, not a great president, in my opinion, but he didn't destroy the country. He actually occasionally accomplished some some good things. So I don't think that a yay presidency would be like that because he is uh, he's actually quite different in his competency.
1: Finally, Colin, do you think Joe Biden is destroying the country? No, I don't think Biden is destroying the country. OK, in the same way that Trump didn't. Yeah. You think bad policies, maybe, but. Not disastrous for America? No, I don't think they are
0: disastrous policies for America. I think he's, he's probably governing more ambitiously than I would have wanted. He's made some mistakes. He's had some things that probably he views as successes and that many of his voters view as successes. In general, his age is worrisome. His inability to speak articulately is worrisome. But no, I don't think he's destroyed the country at
1: all and hughes you are a fascinating person to talk to thank you so much for coming on to americano thanks for having me thank you very much for listening to that episode of americano if you enjoyed it please subscribe and if you really enjoyed it please leave us a star rating preferably five stars and a review